I was, uh, was kind of thinking through how I could like prep and kind of illustrate this message and kind of kick this whole thing off. And, and the thought came to my mind of the first fight I've ever been in. I was about between 9 and 11. I remember quite how old I was, but it was kind of like, this was my first real, like, let's throw hands type of deal. My mom ran out to the supermarket, and like you parents do, she said, okay, I'll be gone for like 15 minutes. Don't open the door for anybody. I'll be right back. It was me and my four siblings, and, and, and she left. So, you know, as soon as she left, we, we turned on Ricky Lake, and we just started to do what you're not supposed to do when your parents leave. And, and, and after about three for minutes though the doorbell rang so I'm like 9, 10, 11 I can't remember quite how old it was but I go and I open the door and it was this kid from the neighborhood now I didn't like him and he didn't like me he knew I didn't like him and I knew he didn't like me he wasn't a bully he wasn't I wasn't scared of him I just didn't like him and he rings the doorbell and opens the door and I'm like what do you want and he goes I need to borrow some cheese Y'all, we don't live in a borrow some cheese type of neighborhood. This ain't the ring your doorbell, can I get a, you know, a cup of sugar? I'm like, dude, I don't got no cheese. Get out of here. And he goes, well, go scrape some off your mother's teeth. That's what I said. So he took off running. And you know, mom said, stay in the house, don't open. I don't know what happened. I just blacked out. And I took running after him. And it wasn't running for like a block. It was running for like, I mean, we were jumping over fences, running through people's backyards. I'm like, you ain't going to talk about my mama. And y'all, I caught him, tackled him to the ground. I had him on the ground. The only problem was, this is my first fight. I hadn't quite thought through it. What do you do after you catch him? And you know, this is the moment you throw a punch, but I never thrown a punch before. So I took him, I pushed him in the ground, and I did the meanest thing I could think of. Take it back. <laughs> and he looked at me like, is that it? He's like, I take it back. I'm like, good. I got up, walked back to the house, and like, yeah, I think I won that one. Problem is, I know how to fight. And not knowing how to fight at 9, 10, 11 is no big deal. If you're 30, 40, 50, and you don't know how to fight, that's a problem. And I'm not talking about fisticuff. I'm talking about there's so many Christians, so many followers of God who don't know how to fight in the spiritual realm. We, 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 we've drank the Kool-Aid, this, this utopian preaching that when I get saved, life is perfect. No problems, no issue, no drama. As long, long as I got King Jesus, life's going to be easy. Anybody been saved for longer than 10 seconds <laughs> and found out I got King Jesus and I got drama? <laughs> I'm following God. I'm a lover of Jesus. And there's still drama in my life. Here's what you need to understand. We live on a battlefield, y'all. Life is not easy. This is not Switzerland. This is not a demilitarized zone. You are in the middle of a war. The Bible says that you have an enemy. His name is Satan. And he came to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you don't know how to fight, 
you're a sitting duck. Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, leave the verse up. I forgot to mention this. I should have started the message with this. Hey, y'all, this is grad school, okay? I'm not going to preach no third grade Christianity today. This ain't even high school. This ain't even, we, can, can, we, 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 I'm going to take y'all. Is that all right? Can, can I stretch you a little bit? Some of you are like, I don't even know if demons are real. Well, listen, we passed that, okay? We, I'm, I'm going to teach you how to. The Bible says, first of all, your wrestle's not against another human. You, you, you've got to be able to see, even though your boss seems to be out to get you, even though that family member you're at war with right now, even, even though there's a, we serve an enemy that is a punk and he hides behind puppets. And God said, I need you to understand your wrestle is not against the government. It's not against another human. Your wrestle is against the forces of darkness. Look what it says. It says there's principalities, there's powers, there's rulers of darkness of this age. It says, let me say it this way. There's different demonic forces in different regions of the world. The issues of Atlanta are not the same issues of Michigan. The issues of Chicago are not just the same issues of Brazil. There's different, what they call principalities or strongholds in different regions. For example, one of the demonic oppressions or, or oh, this is this too deep. That's, I just said demon. I'm sorry, guys. Keep going. One of the principalities over Baltimore is hopelessness. It's difficult for us to see a better future, to see progress, to, to, to see what is, is ahead of us. Come on now. And that's why God sent a church with the opposite. One of the cores of Union Church is, hey, God has a purpose for your life. There's a destiny that he has for you. You'll hear me say this 25 times every Sunday. Your best days are not uh, behind you. They're before you. Your greatest days are ahead of you. It's counteracting what we're facing. You're in a war. goes on in verse 13. It says this, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all, stand. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to have to fight for what you want. I feel like we all just grew some hair on our chest. Just. <laughs> no, 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 you're in a fight. And if you just think everything that you want is just going to come easy, it, it don't work that way. Why would the enemy fight me? Because every time he looks at you, he sees Jesus. Don't you know that you carry the image of Almighty God? And as your life progresses and gets better, people begin to ask you, how did you do that? And if you're humble enough and saved enough to say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, and then they're going to say, what's this Lord that you talk about? I don't have that Lord. The enemy knows I can't get you moving forward because people's lives are going to be transformed as a result. You're in the fight of your life. And here's the thing. He'll try to punk you for something God promised you. The enemy will try to take from you something that is actually yours. We're in grad school. Let me, let me, let me, I'm going to give you a verse. I promise you, you've never read it. You probably haven't even read this book in the Bible. It's the book of Jude. You're right, pastor. I never read that. 
Jude chapter 1 verse 9 says this, yet Michael, the archangel, watch this, in contending with the devil when he was disputed about the body of Moses, dare not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. All right, let me break that down because some of y'all are like, what just happened? So y'all heard of Moses, right? Led children of Israel out of Egypt, stretched the staff, Red Sea, prophet of the Lord, great man of God. The Bible says that Moses was the most humble person to live on the earth. Tracking? Moses dies. The angel of the Lord comes to take Moses to heaven, and a demon is there saying, no, he's coming to hell with me. Here's a prophet of the Lord, the most humble on the planet, and yet he's trying to take what does not belong to him. And the angel said, no, get your paws off of him. This belongs to God. He will try to take whatever you let him take. And if you don't know how to fight for your marriage, fight for your kids, fight for your finances, fight for your mental health, if you do not know how to fight, you will be a Sitting duck. Just had a picture. You ever seen them pictures of somebody's car in the hood? And all sitting on cinder blocks. All the wheels are gone. You ain't going nowhere. A lot of Christians look like that. I'm saved, but I ain't going nowhere. Because I've let the enemy take no no. It stops today, amen. Okay, three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts. How do I fight? How do I fight? The first thought is this. You got to know when you're in a battle. You got to know when you're in a battle. So I got this kid, right? I got him on the ground. I push him in the ground. And I'm like, take it back. I mean, I was, ugh, it was great. And I let him go. And I was walking back to the house. And it dawned on me, man, that was my first fight. I think I won. I'm the man. Let me get back before my mama knows I left. <laughs> In the moment, I didn't, I was just reacting. I had no idea what, it wasn't until after that I realized, oh, that was a fight. Can I be honest with you? I'm, I'm your pastor. I've been a pastor for 12 plus years. I've been a Christian for going on, golly, 25 years, something like that. And spiritual attacks still catch me off guard. It still, it still takes me a while to realize, hold on, no, no, this, this isn't natural. It's not just that that person's annoying, I don't like that person, I want to, it's not just that this is an attack of the enemy, hear me, uh, some of us are in battles and we don't realize that they're spiritual battles. Isaiah 59, 19 says this, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him how do I know I'm under attack when you feel overwhelmed emotionally when you're like I can't take one more text message I'm take the phone off the hook I'm not checking. I, I just, it just seems like it's coming in from every different direction. That's not just natural. That's not just drama. You're in a fight. You heard me mention, if you, you've been here for a few weeks, about five weeks ago, our two-year-old broke her femur, which, listen, this father was not doing well. By the way, she had her cast cut off on Friday. 
We're excited. If I could go ahead and break your heart again. Now she's relearning how to walk and getting the muscles and all that other. So if you could just pray that God would accelerate that process. But, but her breaking her femur is not how the day started. The day started with us in Atlanta trying to fly back home and three different flights being delayed. Finally, after those three flights were delayed, the final one was canceled. Now we're stuck in Atlanta. So you can imagine as a parent, you got your kids back home, you got childcare that was supposed to get off when you land, and now they got to spend the night and all that. So it's just, it's just stressful as it is. Then we go find a hotel, book into a hotel. It was actually a really nice hotel. Three rooms in a row filled with cigarette smoke. We went down to the lobby four different times saying, I can't sleep in this room. We need a different room. Three flights canceled, lost our flight, three rooms. Could you imagine how unsaved I was? <laughs> when your wife is telling you, Stephen, remember you're a pastor. I'm like, they don't know me in Atlanta. <laughs> So I was holding on a little bit of Holy Ghost that I had. Come on now. And then you get a phone call that your daughter fell. She's in the ER. Three hours later, it's a broken femur. I've never been that nauseous in my life. I didn't realize this is an attack of the enemy. Two days later is when the Falls Church campus conversation started. And we found out, hey, we're getting ready to launch a campus in four weeks. I had no idea that the enemy knew what was coming and he was trying to discourage and he was trying to overwhelm. I didn't know I was in the fight of my life until it was kind of in hindsight. But you, you've got to know it's not just natural. This is a battle. How do I recognize a battlefield? Any area of your life that does not line up with the word of God is a battlefield. Any area of your life that does not line up with the word of God, your health, your finances, your relationships, your ministry, your progress, whatever it may be, any area in your life that does not line up with the word of God is a battlefield. That's why it breaks my heart when people don't know God's word. Because when you don't know God's word, you put up with stuff that you're not supposed to put up with. There's sickness in your body, and instead of calling a battle, you call it hereditary. Come on now. My boss comes to me and says, hey, the economy is rough, and we're going to have to cut back your salary 15% or whatever it may be. And instead of calling it a battle, you say, well, you know, it's inflation and a rough time in the economy. And no, 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 no. That's not the word of God promised me. The word of God promised me I go from glory to glory to glory to glory. I don't take cuts. I only move forward. When you don't know the word. Here's what it's like not knowing God's word. It's like coming to your house and someone squatting in your house. Imagine coming home and someone who does not pay rent, who should not be. Some of y'all got teenagers. You're like, well, pastor, I come home and that every day. <laughs> Somebody you didn't give birth to. Is, what do you do? What, what are you doing here? This isn't your, get out. If you're saved, you call the police. If you're not, you lay hands. But whatever you do, you're not going to let that person stay there. Some of us are letting things stay in our lives. And calling it normal because we don't know what God's word has promised us. Physical health is about the enemy will attack your health and he has no right to. 
Here's what the Bible said in Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. He purchased my healing on the cross of Jesus Christ with his blood. Sickness is not my portion. The Bible says with long life, he will satisfy me. Does that mean if I'm sick, I'm outside of the will of God? No, it just means you're under attack. Don't put up with that. That's a battle to be fought. My life moving forward towards the dream, the promise that God has for me is a battlefield. You know Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Prosper doesn't mean to be filthy rich. Prosper means to move forward. So any area of my life that is not consistently moving forward is not the will that God has for me. He didn't call me to work the same job at the same role at the same income for 30 years in a row. No, promotion is my inheritance. That's a battlefield. And it's the word of God that renews our thinking. Because some of us, grandma put up with it and mom put up with it, so I have to put up with it. Dad put up with it. Granddad put up with it. So You would not believe the most unbiblical things that come out of people's mouths. You know, guess the Lord didn't call me to be rich. He called me to be wealthy. No, because he probably knew I couldn't handle it, so he just gave me this day my daily bread. We even misquote scripture. Give me this day my daily bread. What about the other one? Where he said, I'm going to give you more than enough so that you're not just feeding your family daily bread, but you're able to take care of your nieces and your nephews and your neighbors and and be generous on every single occasion, which brings us to the greatest battlefield there is. More than your health, more than your future, the enemy will attack your thinking. Because the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And the enemy knows if I can get you to think that you don't deserve it. If I could get you to think that you're less than. If I could get you to think that if I could just get you to think wrong, I can take all that God has for you. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 says this, casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Watch this. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, I love God's word. I pray a lot. I also watch a lot of TV. Probably watch too much TV, watch too much movies. And if I'd be honest with you, don't judge me. If you do, I don't really care. I, I only watch one type of shows. I need murder. I need pillaging, I need guns, I need knives, I need war. If, no, if everybody lives to the end of the movie, I want no part of it. This is, this is not my idea of entertainment. I've never seen The Notebook. I still have my man card. Yeah, yeah, you ever seen one of those movies, one of those military movies or whatever, maybe where there's an asset that they have to capture? And I mean, they're moving heaven and earth, coming out the water, coming out the sky, coming out every different direction, because this is our target. And we, Alpha, are you over there? Uh, Charlie, here we go. Echo here. And I'm just like, get him. That's the level of aggression you got to capture 
every thought that is opposite to what God has promised you. Because the enemy is like, if I could, if I could just plant a thought that marriage is temporary. That family blood is thicker than what if I could just plant that thought you go get married but your family's the only one you can rely on if I can plant that thought I just self step back and watch you self-destruct I don't even have to and there's so we just ex- <laughs> can, can, can get in trouble so maybe the thought is is health condition you'll never have a kid Science backs it. And all of a sudden, I've resolved that's never going to be my household. Whose report will you believe? It's something to fight for. I'm, I'm your pastor. You love me? That was really weak. That's because y'all know me. Y'all like, well, depends on what you're about to say. We've got a heck of a lot of people in this church that are single and want to be married and don't realize it's a fight. Not against flesh and blood. Come on now. <laughs> let me get at him before she does. Let me, let me get. No, no, no. You ain't fighting him. You ain't fighting her. And, 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 and we actually believe the dumb arguments of the day. But you know, this generation doesn't value marriage. This generation, it's hard to find a good man. You know how many times I've heard it's hard to find a good man? I've been at prayer the last 21 days. I've seen men at 5 a.m. praying and checking their ring. Ain't got no ring on. I don't know what this looks solo dolo to me. And he at prayer, looked like a good man to me. I'm just saying. By the way, if you want to know where to find somebody, prayer, 6 a.m. They up at 6, they love Jesus. That's... Just FYI. That's a cheat. That's the Union Church cheat code. Anyway, we believe all that. I'm just, or, or, you know, I'm just, I'm just waiting for the Lord to send me my smiles. Okay, let's just, let's just, can we think about it for a second? You're spirit filled, love God, and locked in on your destiny. You meet somebody who's spirit filled, loves God, and locks in on their destiny, and you raise up godly children that are world changers. Don't you think the enemy would try to block that? Don't you think the enemy would not want that to happen? Don't you think the enemy would send a counterfeit so you don't end up with what God actually has for you? Yeah, there's natural drama you're going to have to work through, but it's a fight. And there's so many believers that are not fighting for what God promised them because they don't even know that it's their inheritance. Now, I ain't trying to scare you. You're going to die tonight. No, it's not. Can, can, can I tell you why when you mature in Christ, you get excited about fights? Because it doesn't sound exciting, right? Crazy people like to fight. Can, can, I, tell, can, can I tell you why it, you start to get excited about fights? Because you realize the enemy only attacks what he's afraid of. And, and if the enemy is attacking me, it must be I'm on the verge of a miracle. It must be that there's something that God is getting ready to do in my life. Get over your pity party of why me, why me, and why me? And start realizing he picked me. He chose me. He's actually called me. That's why I'm under this attack. Here's the other reason why you get excited. Hear me. Because it's your God who arrests the thief. 
And the Bible says that he will hold the thief to justice. Watch this, Exodus 22, 4. If the theft is certainly found alive in his hands, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, in other words, it don't matter what the enemy stole from you, he shall restore, what's that word? Double. God said in his word, anything that you lost is gonna come back double what it was. I like this part. It goes on to say in Exodus 22 that if the thief loses what they stole, they've got to pay you back sevenfold. So everything the enemy stole from me, whether it's a relationship with my kid, whether it was a marriage, whether it was a job, I, I'm only settling for double. Because God's word says he must double anything that was stolen from me. Oh, I'm looking at the clock. Seeing if I have the time. Okay. Oh, 30 second detour. Can I prove you the double? All right. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Made whole earth. Oh God. Made the garden. Made Adam and Eve. Place Adam and Eve where? Where do you place them? Come on, class. Where do you place them? In the garden. Okay, Adam and Eve placed them in the garden. The Bible says that he came down and visited with Adam and Eve every day. Satan attacks. They fall into the attack. Eve jacks up the whole world. Now look at us. <laughs> I'm going to get jumped in heaven for that one, but I'm going to keep saying it. Dragon, Jesus comes to the earth and dies on the cross so that our sins can be forgiven, so that he can restore us and we can live forever in the garden. Hold on. Think about it. The enemy stole something. And God went through all this trouble to take us back to where we started? Oh, can I, can I mess with your brain? Heaven was never created for us because we were never supposed to die. But after the enemy attacked, God says, I can't take them back to where they were because I have a double for your trouble principle. So they guarded in the garden, but now I've redeemed them and restored them. I'm not going to come visit them every day. They're going to be with me for all of eternity. Every That was better preaching than y'all are saying amen. Everything the enemy steals, if you fight for it, God will give you double for your trouble. Second thing is this, write this down. You, you have supernatural weapons. The weapons that we have are supernatural. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. What does that mean? We don't win fights by cussing people out. Stop it. It ain't helping. Stabbing people in the back. That's not how we fight, Okay. Says our weapons are not carnal, according to the flesh. For our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down what's the stronghold? A stronghold is a tower, a fortification. The weapons you have demolishes what the enemy has. So part of this message came from a conversation I had. The whole series started at Catalyst back in August where I was saying, hey, we're not civilians. We're called by God, commissioned. There's a plan and a purpose for our life, and we've got to fight for all that we have. Somebody came to me after the service and said, Pastor, I'm confused. I'm like, me too. <laughs> she said, well, last week you say that God fights our battles. And this week you said that we have to fight for all that God has for us. Which is it? Who's fighting? <laughs> I said, if you give me three weeks, I'll explain it. Today's the explanation. 
Okay, y'all ready? Remember the Red Sea that parted? Who parted the Red Sea? Uh-oh, we got a mixed crowd. I told you I was grad school. Flowers, Columbia, try this again. Shout it out. Who parted the Red Sea? Mo God. That's why I hate multiple choice. Let me help you out, guys. God. Moses didn't stack the water up. God did. Let's try this again. Who parted the Red Sea? All right, good job, good job, good job. Who stretched out their staff? Who parted the Red Sea? Who stretched out the staff? Okay, I'm going to ask you this. You're going to get it wrong. I'm going to be discouraged as a pastor, but that's all right. We'll get it. Okay. Who killed Goliath? <laughs> Y'all said, David, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, let me help you out. God knocked over Goliath. Somebody say, prove it. Okay, great. Y'all know the story, right? David got the stone. He, sling, he flings it at Goliath's head. It says it hits him in the forehead, and Goliath falls forward. If you get hit in the forehead with a stone with the velocity to knock you out, which way do you fall? In order for him to fall forward, it wasn't the stone that knocked him out. But who threw the stone? So, So who killed Goliath? Oh, God, they, I don't know. So who fights, me or God? Both. The weapons we have are super, super. In order for it to be supernatural, I need something natural to put the super on top of. Every battle you win will be a partnership between the super of God and the natural of you. Can I tell you why? This is really grad school. Let me tell you why. Because God has given dominion for earth to humans. So God said, I can't step in unless you invite me in. I need an action of faith. I need you to do something that gives me access in your life. And then I'm a clean house as soon as I get there. That's why when Israel was in the battle, he told Moses, go up on the mountain and keep your hands up. Hold up the, as long as your hands are up, the battle in the, we needed something natural to activate heaven. What happened when Moses' hands started dropping, Joker started dying. They're like, bro, you better keep them hands up. Went and got some people to hold Moses' hands because as his hands were up, the miracle was taking place on the ground. There are actions of war that we do as believers that activates heaven on our behalf. Prayer is a weapon. Now, not that kumbaya, now let me down to sleep to pray to the Lord. Not, not, not that foolishness. Let me, let me give you this. Daniel chapter 10 verse 12 says this. Then he said to me, do not fear Daniel. Watch this. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand, humbled yourself before your God, your words were hear, heard. This is an angel. The warring angel of the Lord came to Daniel and said, the first day you started to pray, I heard you. God sent me to give you an answer. Look what he says. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, that's the demon that was over Babylon, withstood me how many days? Does that number sound familiar? 21 days. 
Behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, that's another angel, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So let me give you the story. This is really grad school. Y'all go home with more Bible than you ever wanted in a lifetime. So Israel was in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. Can I tell you why they were there for 70 years? One year for every Sabbath that they skipped. When God says rest, it's not a suggestion. So he said, fine, you're going you're gonna to catch up on these Sabbaths that, that, that you Sabbath is. <laughs> what school did you go to? Anyway, Sabbath that you skip. 70 years, day one, Daniel said, we out. You said 70 years and 70 years. God, get us out. The second Daniel prayed, God deliver us. God sent angels to deliver them. But it took the angels 21 days in spiritual battles that could not be seen in the natural before, here's the church word, breakthrough happened. Can you imagine after the first day Daniel prayed, he said, well, I guess God didn't hear me. Could you imagine after 10 days if Daniel said, I guess God said no. Could you imagine after 17 days if Daniel said, oh, I guess God's a liar and he's not faithful to his word. But because Daniel knew who God was and he knew the word of God and he knew the character of God, he said, God is not like man. He cannot lie. If he said it, he's going to do it. And I'm going to keep praying until I see it come to pass. And every day Daniel prayed, God sent another angel on his behalf until the battle was won. Some of us have given up on prayers thinking that God said no. It wasn't God who said no. It was the battle over the answer to your prayer. Pastor Damon's here in the front row, and he was at the church. Was, I mean, we all get the date, but it was like nine years ago or something like that. The church was in Woodlawn, and we were selling the building that we were in. This was the big move to launch our Columbia location. The whole deal was the proceeds from the sale of the building, we were going to use that money to purchase the pickup trucks and the, all the equipment, the screens, the lights, all that you see at a portable location, we were going to purchase that to launch our Columbia location. It was the day of the sale. I think we were like eight weeks before we were launching in Columbia and moving over there. It was the day of the sale of the building, and, and he walks into my office looking like he saw a ghost. He goes, Pastor, um, I, I don't, I'm like, out with it. He goes, the bank just called. The deal is off. We can't sell the building. And I'm like, did they say why? He's like, no. He looks at me. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm good. I wasn't good. And he walks out and I sit there for about half a second. And I stand up, I walk out the back of the church. We had a little parking lot by a little easy storage by the Best Buy on Security Boulevard. All my B-more folks know what I'm talking about. And uh, I go out in that back parking lot, look around, close the door. God, you said, and I mean, I just start praying. I'm screaming in tongues. I'm interceding because I know what God promised me. Now, hear me, there, there, there's some prayers that you can pray around other people. You just, you know, you just, let's just hold hands. But, but that's just, when, when you've got a loved one that's sick, when you've got some drama that's going on, listen, can you give me five minutes? I'm going to go in this closet right away. Just don't come in. I don't care what you hear going on in there. It was going to be all, and I'm, I'm out, and I mean, I'm going, I decree, I declare, I push back the forces. Of the, yo, I'm back there, I mean, just going for it. Yo, a UPS truck driver drives by, and he's like, 
They're like, you ain't never seen war before. I mean, I'm going for it. And as I'm praying, I just sensed a peace come on me. And I instantly stopped. I said, thank you, God, for it's done. Went back in my office, sat down, continued work. About an hour later, Damon comes back in my office. He said, you would not believe what just happened. I said, I said, try me. He said, the bank called back. They said it was a clerical error. They figured it out. If you can get here in 45 minutes, we can close today. I said, I'll be there in two hours. Don't rush me. We've got to understand that the weapons we have are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. They're not weak. They're not natural. And when I open my mouth, heaven backs everything that I say. I, I wish I had some believers that understood. I've got some weapons to enforce all that God has promised in my life. Watch this. My praise is a weapon. Because the Bible says when I praise that he inhabits the praises of his people. When praises go up, God shows up. Sit down. This ain't the shouting point. We're going to shout in a second, but this ain't the shouting point. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. So hear me. Next time you're in a hospital room, cut the foolishness out. You should have been watching them. This wouldn't have happened. Stop that. Start praising God. God, I honor you. God, I thank you. You are Jehovah Rapha. You're the God that heals. God, you inhabit the praises of your people. And God, I invite your presence into this hospital room right now. God, reverse what the enemy meant for evil. God, you're going to make it for good. Turn that hospital room into a battlefield and watch God do what only he can do. Oh, I'm out of time. God's word is a weapon. The Bible says the sword of the spirit. When I speak God's word over a situation, it's a battle. Now, now, faith, I wish I had more time. Steps of faith is offensive. Don't just sit back and wait for the enemy to attack. Since I know I'm in a a war, I'm just going to take territory. So let's just go to Falls Church. Let's just launch a fourth campus. Let's go to Charlotte. After Charlotte, let's go to Atlanta. Let's go to Houston. Let's go to Chicago. Let's go. I ain't waiting for him. We are advancing. The wisdom of God's word is a fortress around us. If you leave your front door open, Don't be mad when you get robbed. It's 2023, y'all. Tracking with me? If I have physical sickness, isn't it an attack of the enemy? Yes. Now, if I never work out, I don't eat well, I don't get enough sleep, I don't know what I'm putting in my body, is physical ailment an attack of the enemy? Yes. But I left the door open. The wisdom of God closes the doors on our lives. When my engine blows up, is it an attack of the enemy? Yes. However, an oil change would have helped that. The devil is busy. Got a flat tire on the way to work. Yeah, that was the devil. But you were bald on 60,000 mile tires and you're at mile 120,000. You left the door open for him. Okay, last thing is this. You're trained for victory. You're trained. I gotta catch my breath. I'm tired, Sean. I ain't used to shouting. Okay. You're trained. You're trained. Somebody say, I'm trained. I'm trained. You wouldn't serve a God who'd put you in a battle unprepared. 
You've been training for this moment. What are you talking about, Pastor? I don't know what training you're talking about. Okay. So here's David. Goliath. David, you can't, you, you, you can't defeat Goliath. He's a man of war. He's been fighting his whole life. And, and you're just a boy. And David goes, well, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I've actually never been in a battle a day in my life. Remember the story? He didn't know how to use a sword. He didn't even know how to put the armor on. He said, I've never fought somebody like Goliath. But there was this one time when I was watching my father's sheep. As I was watching the sheep, and you would not believe this massive bear came and snatched one of the sheep and took off running with my dad's sheep. And I'm not going to lie to you. Initially, I'm just like, you can have that, shorty. I, I, got, I got 99 other ones. I don't need 100. We good. But then I thought about telling my dad I lost one of his sheep. And I said, deal with my dad, deal with the bear. Deal with my dad, deal with the bear. I'll go after the bear. So he said, I run. I said, I don't even know what happened. I kind of just blacked out and I started running after the bear. Yo, I tackled the bear. I got the sheep out of his mouth. Yo, I killed the bear with my bare hands. I was scared. I was terrified, but help the bear. <laughs> Where my ratchets at? He said, about a few months later, I'm in the same situation. Here, taking care of the sheep. Here comes a lion. Snatched the lamb, take off running. I started, I ran faster than a lion. I was terrified, but I tackled the lion, got the sheep out of the lion. I killed the lion with my bear. To this day, I don't know how I killed the bear. I don't know how I killed the lion. But here's what I do know. When I get in situations that are too big for me, some supernatural something comes on me, and I'm able to do things that I didn't know I was able to do before. So I've never fought a giant, but I fought a lion, I fought a bear, and the same God that delivered me from the lion and delivered me from the bear is going to deliver me from this uncircumcised. David had no idea the entire time God was training his hands for war. He was teaching him how to fight. And here's what we do. We cry and complain and blame God for the drama that we've been through. Why did I have to go through that sickness? Why did I have to go through that divorce? Why did I have to go through that setback, that discouragement, that depression? And God said, I didn't cause it, but it was training. There was a resilience that was building in you. There was a trust that I was developing that you now know how to fight. Instead of looking at all the pain you've been through as why me, woe is me. Start looking at it as that's what prepared me for the destiny that God has for me. God didn't cause it, but he's you. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 55 says, oh death, where is your sting? Oh hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. He already purchased the victory for every fight you'll face on the cross of Jesus Christ. And now he's training us to take hold the promises that he has for us. Moment of transparency. Y'all, I'm 36. Most 36-year-olds ain't pastor in churches, especially churches like this. It's amazing. The older saints in church, oh, God's hand is on you. I love it. 
36 year olds like, I can't listen to this kid. Why is it that I am where I am? The grace of God, mercy of God, favor of God, all that stuff. But at 13 years old, my mom and dad sat us down and said, mom has cancer. Y'all, it's time to fight. And we went to war and we prayed over her life. And what should have been over in three months, God extended for another 13 years. And at 16-year-old, our parents sat us down again. And they said, your sister's going into brain surgery. It's time to fight. And we said, this ain't our fight. This ain't our same rodeo. Here we go. And we prayed and we cried out to God. And that turned out into a massive victory. And then at 18 years old, they sat us down again and said, this person's sick. It's time to fight. Why am I who I am? Because there's been battle after battle after battle after battle after battle after battle. I've seen the goodness of God after the goodness of God after the goodness of God after the goodness of God. So excuse me if I'm 36 and now I say there is nothing that my God can't do. I've seen too much. I've seen him fight too many giants. I've seen him turn around too many battles. And I just think I'm not by myself. There's some other believers in here that said, hey, if you were going to tell me God can't do it, you should have done it before he healed cancer. You should have done it before he gave me my mind back. You should have done it before I saw him take something that was not and turn it into something that is. I've been trained for war. And I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Put your shoulders back. Put your head up straight. And don't you dare put up with anything other than what God has promised you. If you believe it, somebody shout amen in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. All right. Sit down. Let me close this service in 30 seconds so we get out this parking lot next service. Father God, we are grateful. God, we're thankful that you have trained our hands for war. You are a God who fights on our behalf. And I pray over every single person in the sound of my voice, God, people are fighting for their health. They're fighting for their marriage. They're fighting for their kids. They're fighting for the future that you promised them. And victory is guaranteed. God, give hope to the hopeless. Give strength to the weak. Give vision to the blind. God, do what only you can do. Right where you're sitting with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. Before I let you go, I've got to talk to those of you in the room that if you would be honest, God is not fighting your battles for you. You're in this fight by yourself because you've never asked Jesus to be the center of who you are. Maybe you're like me. I grew up in church. I was in church every day of my life, but for a long period, I did not know the God of the church, and I did not surrender to him. I was religious, but I didn't have a relationship. Maybe you're new to an atmosphere like this. You didn't even know that God wants to be in your life. Well, he does, and he's waiting for you to respond. Wherever you find yourself, you say, Pastor, I'm tired of fighting this thing called life by myself. I need the help of God. Right where you're sitting. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood, so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. Today, I give you my life. 
God, I surrender. I'm done doing it by myself. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on. Can you celebrate for every single person that just prayed the greatest prayer?